The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Hello, Northumberland County. This is Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's real estate talk show. And I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time, each week, we bring you Reality Realty, your local real estate forum where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate. And yes, we do it with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. Well, I would like to warn you this morning, buckle up for safety because we're going to go down the road of real estate deal breakers. There, there's really, there's a buyer for all real estate, and uh, but everything now and again, we every now and again, we run into uh, a deal breaker, and it seems to be, it might seem to be a deal breaker at first sight, but it isn't necessarily a true deal breaker and there's there's a lot of information to learn about what just seems downright scary and and what really ought to be downright scary and joining me today as my co-host is someone who has a unique insight into a number of deal breakers and that's Dave Smith and Dave is a certified home inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors Dave welcome back to the show took a long time to introduce me there Dale Usually, I my contract called for the first forty five seconds. We're we're wow. a minute and a half in here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, Dave? I I I wanted to get a big, you know, big prelude. Uh, big you know, prelude. yeah, just to uh, I almost bought a prelude. A, a, a lot of fanfare to uh, welcoming welcoming you. But anyways, thanks a lot for coming on. But and anyways, <laughs> anyways, moving on. yeah, moving on from that. So deal breakers. Uh, we're gonna focus. Uh, focus mostly on deal breakers that occur when you already have an accepted agreement of purchase and sale. So you already have an accepted offer, and then during that condition period, something comes up, and it's a, it it can potentially become a deal breaker. And and Dave, you you have a unique perspective being a home inspector. Uh, unique from maybe a realtor's perspective, but uh, they can be fairly emotional moments, can't they? It's a stressful time. Uh, it's a stressful time for, for most everyone involved, in, including the realtor in many cases, because um, like you say, we essentially have a deal in place or you have a deal in place. And mm-hmm. um, the home inspection is, is a key aspect of it because it can be a key turning point in whether or not that deal goes forward amongst other, other things. But uh, certainly, it's it's one of the great unknowns, or at least the findings of that inspection at that point are quite often unknown. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's stressful because you could be, you know, leave that morning with the idea that we have a deal in place. Oh, um, slam by, dunk. Yeah, yeah. By by afternoon or evening, you may find out in fact um, you don't, or the deal that you had in place may come with some costs or some issues that mm-hmm. you now have to deal with and and you're the, the clock has been ticking ever t- ever since you you made that offer you have to remove that condition in a certain time and what's what do we as a rule usually under four or five business days as a rule and that's that may be lengthy yeah. depending, D- on, depending the on the market yeah. exactly this year it's in many cases it could be mm. you know 48 72 hours it's quick so yeah so it's an expect the unexpected sort of situation but first dave let's take a look at uh at the snapshot of today's residential real estate market. And then when we're done this, we'll get right into deal breakers. So snapshot is a look at today's residential real estate market in Northumberland County. And knowing market stats is a key component of understanding market value. So very good information here. There've been 140 single family residential sales over the past month. And that's an increase of nine sales over the pa- our last report. And that leaves us with an inventory of 324 residential listings for sale here in Northumberland County. The average selling price of successful sales 
over the past months has increased once again to approximately $334,000 average selling price. And on average, people were receiving 98% of their asking price and selling within a market time of 52 days. We are in a seller's market still with an absorption rate of 43%, and that's based on the past month's trend. And since the 1st of September, the absorption rate's been trending in the direction of a deeper seller's market. If you don't have a chance to get these stats down while you're listening to the show, you can see a final snapshot uh, statistics um, every month at the end of the month, and I I post it on my social media. So if you want to look up for look up Dale Bryant on Facebook or on Twitter or on Google Plus or even LinkedIn, you'll be able to see a month's end snapshot of Northumberland's real estate market. I research these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from something called List Central, and that is the realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be more area-specific, uh, specific to the property type and the price band you're dealing in. So talk to your local realtor and understand the Northumberland market that's most relevant to you and no one understands the Northumberland real estate market as well as a Northumberland realtor who's actually a member of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors. Today's mortgage rates we have a five-year fixed as low as 2.29 percent and there is a five-year variable as low as two percent and these mortgage rates come to us from my wife and mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And that's the current snapshot of today's residential real estate market right here in Northumberland County. This is just a reminder that the views and opinions expressed by me and especially by my co-host today and guests of the show or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors or of any real estate brokerage or of any other realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. So Dave, let's get right back into it. Let's talk about real estate deal breakers that can occur when you already have an accepted conditional offer. And I just, Dave, I just wanted to start with, with the biggest. It's the biggest uh, deal breaker, and that is financing. Uh, almost, I was going to say almost all, but I can't say that in 2016 because more, uh, more, more and more offers are coming in without a financing condition, even if they need a financing condition. And that's not necessarily the responsible or prudent way to approach an offer, that's for sure. But let's just say a lot, many, many, many offers come in with a condition of financing. And nobody really bats an eye, especially this year, if the financing becomes a deal breaker. Well, I, I only hear about it on the very end, and that is inspections that are booked. And then for whatever reason, um, the financing does not come through for the buyer and the inspection is canceled based on the fact that the financing did not come through the way they intended. So right. I see it fairly often um, in my in my business. I would say 10 to 15% of the time I get cancellations based on that. Yeah, so it, it's fairly common. I mean, people may not be aware of their own credit bureau scores. Uh, they... They may not be aware of their debt service ratios. So, how much, how much debt do they have? How much, uh, how much, how many loans they have? Revolving credit, like uh, your credit cards, and and versus how much you're actually bringing in in an income. And so, their debt service ratio, they may not ha- be aware of that and what kind of shape they're in, and and maybe they think they have a pretty secure job, but it's it's a it's a lender that's going to make the final decision on that. And they're going to, they have their own parameters and they're going to take a look at uh, how long has this person been working at that employer 
or if there's been a change of employer, at least in that same industry where they're doing the same job and they have a record, uh, they'll they'll want to know how many guaranteed hours you have doing that. Uh, sometimes sometimes people think they have more guaranteed hours than what their employer is actually willing to uh, say they have. And yeah, and, and tenure length of income. So there's there's different surprises that people may have. Uh, business for self. There's a whole mm-hmm. new animal there. And relocation. Um, say you've made the decision to move closer or back home. Say you have lived away from Northumberland area for a while and you decide to move back home for all good reasons. But you now both have new new jobs. You've mm-hmm. just started. You have no history. Regardless of in my experience, and, and we did experience this, um, you don't have that, that weight behind you. You may have been working continually. I've been working continually mm-hmm. um, without gaps since I was 18 years old, which is like 12 years. And uh, <laughs> Nice one. Uh, but, you know, we, we, um, we both, we were in our own business. We owned our own business. We sold our business, and we were r- most recently living in the Brooklyn, Oshawa area before we moved back to Northumberland County. Um, but we're starting off from scratch. You don't have that history there. And mm-hmm. for me, it was starting a new business, uh, even though I had a long, strong history of employment and business ownership, it didn't carry the weight. I didn't even anticipate it. We were fortunate. But uh, to be able to purchase a home and, and get, we actually had our mortgage parked, which made a big difference. If we had simply terminated that mortgage um, out of ignorance uh, of, the, of the situation and of financial um, requirements, we'd have been in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And you, you can even come in with a huge down payment. I mean, you can be strong financially, but the lender just is uncomfortable with the new business you're taking on or, or the new job you're taking on. And, and they just, they, I mean, they, they have actuaries figuring out where the best odds are for them, mm-hmm. for the mortgage to work out. And, and it's, it's sometimes difficult to get a lender to look at it in what we might consider a common sense well, and that's approach. Well, that's what saved us is that we did have a 25 or 30, I'm not sure the exact number, uh, percentage down payment mm-hmm. to purchase it. And, and we were told that it was, we just, because of that, we were able to, to float it. Uh, regardless of our credit rating, regardless of our debt, it was it was based solely on the fact that well we didn't have jobs yeah. per se, um, but uh, and because we were starting over from scratch, we didn't have any history to draw. We didn't have any substantial foundation um, to base the the approval on. Yeah, and and the thing about uh, the financing being a deal breaker, it's actually the easiest the easiest deal breaker to handle. And that is getting a good pre-approval before you even do the shopping. Well, since I got into this industry, I'm, I'm frankly blown away. Well, number one, you, we, we've talked about this oh, in yeah. the past, about the difference between a, a pre-approval and um, a thorough, a pre- thorough <laughs> pre-approval. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's difficult. On, on in defense, it's difficult to give a pre-approval on a property that doesn't exist yet. That is sort of a phantom, you know, I need a, I want to know if I get approved for a $200,000 mortgage based on what I have. But there, there is a contingent in there. They have to know what the property is. They have to get a, a find out if the property you're purchasing is, is worth what you're buying it for. So um, that aspect of it. But I, I'm amazed how many folks are out there um, without a solid, properly prepared, with research, uh, a pre-approval that is thorough. And you yeah. had a terminology for it. I'm trying to get it in my brain here, but there's there's a pre-approval and w- there's there's a another term, or am I imagining this, or you just yeah. called it thorough? So. Well, we we might we might have called it something else, yeah. but it, really and truly, it's if you if you've been to a mortgage broker or a mortgage agent or a bank or some sort of lender, and they haven't checked your credit bureau, and they haven't validated your employment with uh, a letter uh, from your employer or with some information from your tax returns, if they haven't done these uh, validations and they're just going off of what you're telling them, then you haven't had a, a thorough pre-approval. And, you're, and Dave, you're exactly right. Uh, you're never going to get, like that's a thorough, but you're never going to get a full one until you have a real deal and there's a real property 
that the lender is property yeah, that they the, can attach it to. Yeah, exactly. But one of the easiest deal breakers to uh, eliminate, and that is the the deal breaker of financing. And that would be through a thorough pre-approval. Thorough pre-approval, yeah. And, and understanding of what the requirements would be, you know, your your work history, the the solid base you have it based mm-hmm. on, and any real ghosts in your or skeletons in the closet. Dealing yeah. with them, writing them, and one thing that I didn't realize is that you know the idea of going out and you, you go to a major retailer and you get uh, a deal to get flooring in your house and you get twelve months unlimited. Or, or, or no interest payments, but then you just when you're done with that transaction, you just leave that card in your wallet, and you might have four or five. And I don't think that's an exaggeration, but you've got all of that credit available to you. Just even if you're not there. using even it, even if you're not using, it. is that a yeah. threat to get approval? Or would there? I think what they did for us was they made us c- get rid of those cards yeah. just so that disposable credit, that easily attainable credit, which could affect your monthly income and your cash flow. Yeah, if you have just access to more credit than what your income could possibly pay off if you had you if you're all using it. all of it then yeah certain lenders are going to say no that that's just not going to work and and they're going to say you know what if you get rid of this credit and this credit then we're good right and uh like having 10 $5,000 cards in your pocket that have the ability without getting anyone's approval. You can just go to the oh, store and spend yeah. forty nine ninety nine on each one of those cards. That's $50,000 worth of disposable credit, mm-hmm. theoretically. Yeah. And, and that's a big threat to, to any lender because you now have to make minimum payments on those 10 cards just to maintain. And th- these cards are quite often at a fairly high rate. They may have mm-hmm. a good introductory, but not long term. And, and here, the other thing is, uh, and people forget about this, but maybe... Maybe there there was a, a bill that they had to pay. They paid it all off and a little bit, but just with the timing of paying it off, a little bit of interest trickled in, and they've never bothered to mm-hmm. pay that interest. Or mm-hmm. maybe they've had a dispute with a, a mobile phone provider, yep. and and they said, no way, we never use that, blah, 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 and, and maybe there's only like $8 or 40-some-odd dollars or something on, on a... a Left owing, and and you're you're going to have a little standoff with principal because they're wrong, and but that doesn't matter because they can have that report on your bureau, and then you go and do something like this, and you and you're forgetting all about that little personal standoff you're having, and it goes bite, <laughs> yeah, and it gets you. What if you spent an inordinate amount of money on apple fritters at Tim Hortons and you didn't tell your <laughs> wife about it? What, you know that there's a there's that out there as well. Dave, I, I know you're making <laughs> some sort of reference to my love of apple fritters, but uh, this, this passionate, yeah, this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, let's get into let's get into something that you know a little bit more about, <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the well, you know what? We're going to get into the home inspection aspect of the deal breaker because very many. You know, in quotes, deal breakers, because de- all deal breakers aren't real deal breakers. Very many come from you, Dave, and uh, and I won't call come you from the, the report. I yeah. won't, yeah, from, from the report. From the report. So I'm not going to do no. anything nasty, like call you the king of deal breakers or yeah, anything. Please don't, <laughs> please don't. If if I could just before before you go into it, because and this is more your avenue. But one yeah. thing that was that is is clear to me now that was not necessarily clear to me as a buyer before I became a home inspector, and that is the idea of. Um, recognize, it, for example, if you go in and clear, you can clarify this for mm-hmm. myself and the listeners. If you've recognized that the furnace is past its expected life cycle or the roof is quite obviously in poor condition and you made your offer recognizing that and the seller recognized it as you're going in, um, just clarify that if that comes up on the home inspection report, and can you kind of give me an idea, give everyone an idea, does that, you can't use that aspect of it if it was already recognized when the offer was made. That is, let's just say the roof is obviously poor and the seller, the seller's agent, everyone was aware of it. Yeah. And now I discover and I report as I would and I have to, whether or not it was reported prior to or not, that yeah. the roof needs to be replaced. So, so, you know, the seller, they know the roof is saying... 20 starting to curl it's got 20 some odd years old they they know it the buyer comes in and anybody looking especially from the south side of the house where the the sun and 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 everything the roof gets the most weather 
And from the curb, you can see some sh- uh, curling of shingles and that. And, and now all of a sudden it shows up on the report. Really and truly, everybody realized it. The, sell- the buyer realized it as they were placing that offer. That really should typically have no bearing on whether that's a deal breaker or not because everybody knew it. it now, recognized. W- do some people play some games? And will some people play, oh, I didn't know that my offer was based on thinking that we had, you know, maybe 10 years in that roof. Mm-hmm. And and if that's the case, then, yeah, you know what? Somebody, uh, y- your buyer may come back and say, listen, I want more money off if you want me to buy this home. And so, you know what, if everybody knows and everybody has integrity about moving forward, that's not going to happen. You're, the report there s- stating what everybody knew shouldn't make any difference. Now, the difference being you find uh, a big section of roof um, going bad because of some poorly vo- uh, vented uh, bathroom fan or something that nobody could have seen. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's the point of an inspection. Yeah, exactly. Or soft underfoot where maybe the roof has gone so long, so bad, that now possibly the structure or the sheathing underneath has now been affected, mm-hmm. which may bring in a related problem but could not be seen from the ground. It was exactly. not recognized. Exactly, okay. exactly. Well, Dave, we're going to take a break. Folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland, 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join Dave Smith and myself after this break. And we'll continue to talk about deal breakers in real estate. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my co-host today is Dave Smith. And Dave is a certified home inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. And today we are talking about potential deal breakers in a real estate transaction and we're we're mostly looking at the the so-called deal breakers when you already have an accepted agreement of purchase and sale an accepted offer and during that condition time what might come up to become a deal breaker and dave we're going we we started before break on the home inspection aspect because a number of of you know so-called deal breakers happen in that home inspection report. So what do you think, Dave, is, what do you think are are some of the larger, well, one, one thing is it could be cost. It makes a deal breaker. It could be a safety concern that just seems too big to handle. Um, what, what do you think, <clears throat> pardon me, are some of the most common, as far as you can see in your perspective, uh, deal breakers that you find buyers are most concerned about in a home. Well, if I can just kind of start out by saying that as a home inspector, um, we are the unbiased eye. We have no emotional attachment. We have no reason to give an opinion that is pro or against the purchase of the home. It is simply the report on the condition of the home as we see it today to the best of our ability within the time we have. It's not designed, the report is not designed to be a document that's used as a negotiation ploy um, in the purchase of the home. Um, and we don't know, really, we don't know our clients' abilities, their, mm. their friends, family, what their abilities are, and what is considered scary to them or what might be, quote-unquote, a deal-breaker. Um, but the, certainly the things that are biggest um, structural is a big one. Um, mm. Basement um, basement structure walls, cracking in walls, and there's certainly a whole gamut of different types of cracking and different types of concerns based on what the repair may be or the threat to the structure, long-term, short-term. Um, the age of the home is a big part of it as well. If we're looking at substantial cracking or signs of past movement in a century home versus a home that's only 7 or 8 or 20 years old, um, you, you have to kind of gauge it, and that's why you, you're getting a professional inspector to come in and look at it. But structure is a big one. Um, certainly because of the the fact it does threaten the entire investment to a degree. And in some cases, there could be a safety aspect to it. There could be displacement when the repairs are being made, if they're deemed necessary. And um, that is probably the number one. That's the one that makes people's color disappear from their face when it gets reported, in my experience. Yeah, and, and the structural, the foundational structural uh, concerns in a home, those aren't really 
those aren't really uh, those are legitimate deal breakers, aren't they? Absolutely, because you know, depending on the the skill set and the experience of the buyer, um, mm-hmm. you know, flooring, even windows, siding, uh, shingles, eaves trough replacement of a garage these are for the for the most part are all doable within the the general range of the homeowner structural brings in a whole new aspect of it it brings in a mystery level to it because quite often even the most skilled of structural uh, contractors are are not going to be able to definitively tell you what that cost may be and what the related issues may be so there's a lot of mystery behind it Mm -hmm. and just when you just have the idea of bringing in um, the heavy equipment, the idea of possibly lifting the home or resupporting the home, the damages to the outside. I mean, everything changes. Their whole sort of dreamlike perspective of the home, the image they have in the home is changed dramatically by the concept of that work possibly needing to be done. So that, I think, is why it has such a devastating effect. And Dave, with your experience, do you, I mean, predominantly you're doing home inspections for the buyer, uh, you know, not as regularly uh, are you doing a pre-inspection, but do you get much feedback? If you run into a home and you're suspicious of foundational structural issues, mm-hmm. um, one, how do you handle it? And two, do you ever get any any sort of inkling of how the seller is feeling about that? Well, we, I do a lot of uh, pre-listing inspections for you, Mr. Dale Bryant, mm-hmm. um, as, as part of your marketing plan. And I've told you once and I've told you many times, but I've also experienced this when I'm working with other realtors as well. But the toughest inspections I do are pre-listing inspections mm-hmm. because I'm dealing with the seller. Uh, we are now, um, I now become to a degree a threat to them getting where, from where they are to where they want to be in the vision of it. Even I'm, though, even yeah. though it likely will get inspected if we didn't oh, no, do that. No, no, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm <coughs> just saying that, and that's really perception in their mind. It rarely turns out to be that way. No. But it's a mystery until yeah. then. It is a mystery until the results come in and, you know, they breathe a sigh of relief. And that is by far the highest percentage. But let's just let's just talk about um, about the structural aspect and the issues that can be in it. And this happened with not one of your or one of our clients. It was with another client um, outside of this room, in regards to our relationship. And um, it was a century home. And there was, uh, in my in my estimation, and and I'm going to clarify this in a second. In my estimation, there was uh, structural concerns with um, movement and signs of progressive and constant change in the structure of the home that was reflecting in the brickwork running right up to the uh, soffit line. In other words, from, from below grade right up to the roof, uh, cracking, um, cracking through brick, um, cracking through. And this was a true brick home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a century home. Um, the, the seller got very defensive. They got very upset. Um, but bear in mind, regardless of, and, and home inspectors are generalists. We are not experts in any one field. We are generalists. Our job and the time frame that we have and the scope of our, of our standard uh, covers so many items in such a short period of time, even though I'm sure there are <laughs> realtors out there that are rolling their eyes saying short. Um, but, you know, in three, three and a half hours, we have to look, evaluate at the five major systems, uh, every aspect of the home, you know, 150 receptacles and windows and doors and report on it all fairly conclusively so when we find something we're talking about foundation we're talking about structure when we see something that we have concerns about then we what i like to call we wave the flag and i i I am very thorough in my explanation before i start the inspection Um, if we find something that is beyond our qualifications or beyond beyond our scope to give you an accurate depiction of what it is, then we will recommend, strongly recommend, immediate uh, evaluation by a more qualified contractor that may in itself require a thorough inspection far in excess of what we are able to do in the time that we have and that may require a further evaluation and may in fact incur some costs because that person may need to be paid for their work and they may you know depending on the letters behind their name it may be sizable so when it comes to structural concerns it certainly does get people upset because this is this is threatening their, maybe their ability to sell this home or maybe sell it in the time frame or in the price range that they were hoping to sell it. This has been a revelation that is not going to go over well. 
Um, and, and it's rare in the seller's case that they are thankful to me that I discovered this. Yeah. But you can't stick your head in the sand over a structural foundational issue. No, or, I mean, or that has to be addressed. And, and or electrical um, because of the the electrical fault that it could have that caught the threat to the human beings that live in the home. And for that matter, there's issues in plumbing as well from a health perspective, bad backgassing. Um, there could be environmental issues if a septic tank or 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 something is leaking outside the house or inside the house. So they are all issues, strong issues. But it, it's the reality of, I have, like I say, I have no bias. So it's, mm-hmm. it's the reality of having a home inspection and being informed. A true picture of what it is today. And, and naturally, you talk about the mystery and, and sort of the nail-biting uh, stress of having someone like yourself trained to go through your home uh, like with a fine-tooth comb and do a home inspection. But I, I would say... When we talk about the pre-inspection versus a buyer inspection, I would say I'd ra- much rather be biting my nails and, and a little bit stressed when I don't actually have a deal on the table. Do it before right. I have a real deal on the table. Dave, a, bi- a big one here. And uh, what's your experience with this potential um, deal breaker? And that being mold. Mold in a house. Well, we like to say, and, and I believe it when I say it, there's a solution to every problem. There's usually a price ticket about, uh, uh, attached to it. But let's, let's say we do an inspection for, for one of our clients as a pre-listing. Um, this is a, an excellent example of, of why you want to be informed and why you want to de-stress this. You don't want this to be discovered um, at the time of offer. You would... You would I would prefer to know about it before the house actually get listed, before you get into that fine negotiation. Um, mold in attics is, um, in attic spaces is quite commonly caused by poor ventilation or the venting of bath fans or, in some cases, appliances like dryers into the attic space and not vented to the exterior. Um, it is uh, fairly obvious for the most part. We're not really supposed to call it mold. We usually have to call it organic growth, and that sounds like just a twist of words, but the reality is we're not sure what it is, and only a laboratory, a licensed lab, qualified lab, can determine what it is. But when we see it, we report it every time. Um, It needs to be tested. There are several local companies in the area, uh, names that you would recognize that are easily found. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's a remediation is what it is. It's it's a matter of of killing the mold, um, sealing it up, and making sure that it doesn't come back. And there are several different ways of dealing with it depending on on the the scope of the problem, the depth of the problem. When I say depth, how far into the woodwork, the structure, the sheathing that the mold may have become impregnated and the effects of the, uh, how much mold is in say the insulation or, or the venting mm-hmm. pieces or anything within the attic. There's so many different levels that you need to deal with, but there is a solution to every problem. And as the homeowner, um, you, you would want to know about this because it can be a serious health threat to anyone with breathing issues like emphysema or any young children or anyone, mm-hmm. but certainly young children can be more affected than have chronic asthma or even seasonal asthma. Um, the airborne mold, which comes out of the air, it, 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 it actually finds the place to land in your attic and finds the perfect uh, science lab to grow darkness, moisture, um, and poor airflow. Um, so, you know, it, it is out there in the air and these spores can, can latch on to your attic space when it's not properly vented. And, and if you're not doing that inspection before your listing and you're waiting until you have a deal in place, that's when you have a conditional deal. That's when this issue, I believe, can become the deal breaker. Uh, the buyer says, whoa, I, I love this house, but you just said... You just said organic growth, and when I hear organic growth, I think yeah. mold, and, and that, that certainly can become a deal breaker. And so had you have done that ahead of time right. in a pre-inspection, you could have had that remediated, and there would be no issues. Uh, and you can get it, and the thing is, too, to get it remediated by a certified, and the, and the reason yes. I mention that is because if it's by a certified remediation specialist, they actually will give you a some paperwork to back up what you've done Mm -hmm. that states that they did it, who they were and and to what extent that this is guaranteed. And that's a key thing because you have actually fixed the problem right. And for all intents and purposes for all time. Yes. So, so Dave, 
you go in you you poke your head up into every attic that you can you can access yes what would you say ballpark is a percentage of attics that would have some level of organic growth well let's break it down and say let's say pre-1965 um the percentage would be probably less than about one percent um after say you starting up in the 70s and working forward and and it becomes even higher percentage as the homes get newer um a building code minimum building code for many years did not require that we actually had bathroom fans mm-hmm. um and we did not require that you had bathroom fans that were vented to the exterior and we learned from those mistakes based on things like mold growth also in the in the early 80s the first fuel crisis and when um, worrying about consumption and worrying about preservation and cutting down on our heating costs um, caused us to be more concerned about weather stripping and sealing up all the gaps and creating homes that were more airtight. And what that did do for a, a period of time created an issue where there was no not near enough ventilation in the attic spaces. People retrofitting insulation in attics without getting making sure the venting was proper a lot of it was reactionary a lot of it was i don't like to say by design but by design by mistake um things that we learned so much higher rate i would say probably in the 10 to 15 percent range in houses post 1970s um, but a much lower rate um, probably down in the one to two percent range for houses pre-1970 we often hear the phrase they don't build them like we used to mm-hmm. um it's a phrase that I, I, I believe in. Uh, I don't necessarily see it in the same positive light as a lot of other people do, but older homes were much, let air travel in and out of them very, right. very easily. Um, they weren't as tight. They didn't use the acoustic ceilings or the vapor barriers or just the building materials, the high efficiency windows that were tight. Or, or wind flew in and out of them pretty easily, especially in the attic space. So even if there was a, um, a contrib- contributor, too moisture in the attic space it quite often didn't cause a problem because the air just flew in and right. flew out without it it causing them uh, an organic growth up there so well we're going to take another break dave folks you've been listening to reality realty northumberland 89.7 fm's local real estate talk join dave and i after this break and we'll continue to look at the uncomfortable side of real estate the deal breaker welcome back uh, this is your Real Estate Forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my co-host today is Dave Smith. And Dave is someone who at times gets up close and personal with uh, the most, uh, the least welcome side of the real estate transaction. And that's the potential deal breaker. Dave is a certified home inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. So, Dave, before the break, we were talking about a couple potential deal breakers. Uh, last one we were talking about was mold. It, it also makes me think about something else that's a potential deal breaker, and that is as you're looking around, and we were talking about attics and, and finding the mold, is is when you come upon vermiculite and the uh, potential of having asbestos in that vermiculite. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, vermiculite was commonly used up to um in in the in the mid-century um for the most part i don't see it much in houses uh that were built after the 60s era i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it it wasn't very prevalent vermiculite is a mined uh, mineral uh, very light uh, or things don't like to grow in it animals don't like to nest in it um it's pourable it's cheap it's light and it did have a a pretty high value as far as um, insulation relative to the building materials of the time. Quite commonly used in century homes because you could pour it, literally pour it down into cavities and certainly uh, pour it into all of the cavities in the rafters in the, in the um, attic. Unfortunately, and, and it's, I just want to be clear on this, unfortunately it's not vermiculite that is the concern, and, and you did point that out, but just for the listeners, it's the fact that it could contain asbestos and the rate of could is fairly high and that is most of the vermiculite that was used in North America came from one mine in Montana um, which we mined from for close to 80 100 years using the vermiculite and um, then we found out after that many years that in fact that same mine contained asbestos so it's the mm-hmm. as- possibility of asbestos within the vermiculite that is the threat 
Um, and but the 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 rate is pretty high. Um, it's not impossible. I've had a handful of situations where vermiculite insulation was found in the attic and it was reported. And when tested, uh, it did turn out that it did not contain asbestos. And again, much like I talked about the mold remediation, you can actually get a statement from a qualified or certified remediation company. As a matter of fact, it would probably be the same company that would look after the organic growth. Um, that would actually give a statement that you can keep, and I strongly recommend, as I'm sure you do too, keep that paperwork for resale mm-hmm. later. Um, vermiculite is, uh, the tough part with vermiculite is if it does contain asbestos, it, it can be costly to remove that because quite often you have to, number one, the people themselves have to be protected because when you're making removing it, you're making the possibility, if it does contain asbestos, making it airborne, um, which is a well-documented threat to humans. Um, the asbestos in it and so it has to be handled properly disposed of properly and then you have the reality of having to now replace that insulation with a more modern variety which has its own cost so um, it can be a it can be a deal killer relative to if the testing comes back um, confirming that it contains asbestos yeah and absolutely and whenever anybody hears the word vermiculite even if they don't understand it mm-hmm. uh, quite often they're they're instantly in the deal breaker mode, but there if you educate yourself on it and you find out and get it tested whether or not it actually contains asbestos or not, it could be it could be perfectly fine. Uh, another thing I think about Dave that uh, you know when people hear hear this word, uh, sometimes it can instantly be a deal breaker. You're going in, you're looking at the electrical component of a home, and you open up a panel and see. There's some alum- there's some or all aluminum wiring in the house. Can you tell us a bit bit about that? Well, aluminum wiring is uh, something we did for a while. Again, thought of to be a good idea. It was inexpensive. Uh, aluminum much cheaper than copper. Copper is still expensive, um, but uh, aluminum wiring was used as a solution um, for about a eight to ten year period. Let's just say, depending on where in the country you are. Um, and uh, unfortunately, with aluminum wiring, what the problem was or what the problem is is that aluminum expands and contracts at a different rate than copper does, and what you would get is you could get uh, fasteners on receptacles, light boxes, etc., light switches that uh, may back off and uh, could become loose. Uh, It could also cause arcing um, because the connections are loose, and it can also cause fires related to those that arcing. Um, And also aluminum, when it oxidizes, uh, whereas metals rust, and you see a rust, red, rusty look to it, uh, aluminum doesn't oxide in the same way, and it actually just looks white, so you're not noticing the decay. But like all things, uh, as I said earlier, there's a solution to every problem, and these problems can be rectified. Otherwise, homes uh, or any building, for that matter, that contain aluminum would be would be declared unsafe and would be condemned. That hasn't been the case. There are solutions to it, but it certainly can be a concern, mainly because of the... Um, urban legends of it and and you know i had an uncle once that and blah 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 um Mm -hmm. and same as mold same thing you know if someone had a relative or they heard some nightmare story um that's often sort of a pre uh, a preconceived notion of what the threat is but again education is the key thing and there are certainly um electricians in our area predominant in our area that have solutions to those problems but it does come with a cost and it would probably need evaluation before you proceeded blindly into the uh, purchase of the home. Yeah, because everybody's on a budget and you need to know what you're in for once you become right. the owner of that home. Dave, any any wacky any wacky deal breakers you can think of? Uh, it's always fun to think of something that's maybe just a little unusual that you've run across that was potentially a deal breaker. Well... <laughs> Um, radon is certainly one that can be an issue. Radon being from, um, I've had situations where a client requested radon inspection or radon monitoring, which is a service we provide, um, because there is uh, granite rocks out in the front of the house uh, lining the driveway, or that they have granite countertops in the home and they're concerned right. about it. And I, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but I recommend for anyone who's concerned about radon emanating naturally from granite 
that they visit the Health Canada website and look at radon and granite and, and educate themselves because for the most part, those concerns are, are, are not related to truth. Uh, there has been no discernible grant or radon coming from granite countertop materials in Canada ever that were considered ever. a threat. Yeah. And granite rocks out in the driveway displays um, n- not reality because we're concerned about radon emanating and trapped within the living space of a structure, not that is emanating. Radon emanates naturally out of the ground from the granite rocks or just from the soil below and it's not a threat to humans outside. So instantly dissipating into the instantly dissipating. Uh, it's happening every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one of the ones that has been, I mean, it was a learning experience as well for me. Um, I did an inspection um, where, and it was the first time I'd ever reported this issue. We we are always aware of threats of of um, of uh, any sort of infestation, whether it be animals, mammals, uh, mice is obviously one that a lot of people, some people really, really get uptight about mice. Mm-hmm. Um, going out to a rural property and, and expecting not, you know, I need to know if there's any mice in this house. Well, I haven't even entered the house yet. I, I can pretty much tell you there's some mice in this house, but some people get very upset about that. But most recently, uh, or, or the, the one that stands to mind is bats. And the, the reality with bats is, um, number one, bats carry many threats. Uh, their guano or their, you know, their waste um, can be a very real um, hazardous material that's a threat to human beings. Um, massive amounts of it or extreme mm-hmm. amounts of it are a big concern um, to humans. Uh, and uh, also the, the reality of the possibility of rabies. Most recently, which is in tune with the story that I was going to tell here, is that, uh, that there was a bat, a rabid bat, found in Coburg area mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I did an inspection a few months back uh, of, a, of a century, a beautiful home, um, but did an inspection of it. And when I stuck my head up in the very, very limited, this ad- attic hatch was really only about 12 by 16 um, and apple fritters aside, I'm not a 12 by 18 guy, um, <laughs> but uh, we don't walk in attic hatches anyway, but I basically stuck my head up there and took whatever pictures I could from my ladder. We, we don't walk in attics because we don't know what we're walking on, and it's reported as such. But I took whatever pictures I could, but the smell emanating from it and the squealing of the squeaking of the bats above my head, and it was a very limited space above because it was really kind of a story and a half, so they developed a good portion of it. Uh, told me that there were bats in here. And I reported it as such, both to the buyers and the buyer's uh, father uh, was there. Uh, one of the buyer's fathers was there and the real estate agent themselves were there. And uh, I reported it as such and reported, like I said, about structure, plumbing, electrical. Um, that This is beyond my qualifications. I would certainly recommend, strongly recommend, they get a qualified expert to come in, take a look at the bat situation and deal with it. Well, I did a little bit of research on it the next day and found out that, boy, you, you can't kill bats. Um, bats are protected. And uh, you need to deal with bats in a humane way. And really, frankly, um, those that are concerned about bats are more concerned about bats than they are about you as the homeowner. You need to get the bats out of your home in a timely manner, in a safe manner, protecting any young ones, etc., etc. And the, the priority is to get the bats out and deal with the problem that they left after the fact. Um, but this problem turned out to be, um, and at last I heard, almost a $10,000 problem in this home based on the massive amounts of, of um, dirt that was left behind, or guano as it's properly called. Uh, they brought in a bad expert, and um, this had been going on for, he just said, several years. So we could be easily talking decades. And uh, again, we talk about older homes. While it's easier to get into an older home, uh, century home, there's more gaps and holes because of the woodwork, et cetera, that's you know, faded or shrunk. Um, this is going to be a $10,000 problem to fix for the buyer. And, uh, you know, it was certainly a, a bit of a stressful time for both myself and for the buyer because uh, they had already removed their condition. But, again, the idea of the report is that you read the report and you act on the report's direction before you remove that condition. And that is the purpose of, of the home inspection report is that if you need a more qualified contractor, and that's what was advised in this case, uh, you should wait until that comes through. And I realize that's dif- difficult. Maybe what you could do, Dale, is just touch on the realities because this question gets asked of me quite often and I pass mm-hmm. it on to the realtor. I have had the client usually quietly say to me in the basement or, or out of your out of shot of the realtor, 
So anything that you find in here, I can go back to the seller and I can get knocked down the price. And I usually look at them and I say, you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> I am here to report on the home. A decision made or any decisions made based on the, the results of the report is something you need to discuss with your realtor going forward. Um, because as I understand it, you are basically tearing up the existing agreement and starting over from scratch if you decide to act on any findings within this report in renegotiating. Can you, mm -hmm. can you, is it fair for me to ask you to clarify that? Well, is that accurate? Every, <clears throat> yeah, every, every circumstance is different. And, and maybe you'll find something that you had no idea that existed. Bats. Uh, bats. And, and, and you might find out that it's going to be of, of substantial uh, cost to remediate it. And so certainly you can either, uh, you know, it's a, if, it, if it's still a condition in your offer and you haven't signed off on it, then you can either walk away from that deal or you can renegotiate, say, you know what, I'm still interested, but at these new terms and conditions. Or, or you can just say, you know what, yeah, I, I just found something out. It, it's going to be $1,000 for me to fix everything else about the home I like. We're good. So, yeah, you, you have those three options always. But on the converse <coughs> side, though, just, just so we can show the other reflection of that, by going back and $10,000 bat problem. So you mm -hmm. go back now and you say, okay, we found a $10,000 bat problem. I come back to you. I, I direct you as the buyer. I direct you as my agent. I say, okay, um, I want you to go back and tell them we want $10,000 off to cover the bat problem. What, would, what are the realities of that if we do that? Well, now, <clears throat> now you have a, a defect, basically a defect in your home, and you know about it. And if you don't get the deal done here, you need to, you need to tell other people about it. Um, you can't hide it, right. and and if you if you try and hide it, the next people You're are likely about the to seller here. Yeah, right. the the next people are likely to find out, and so the chance of you being able to continue to work something out between you and the buyer, if the buyer's still interested, I think is typically good. <laughs> yeah. But in the case of the the buyer coming in. They can, they could, the seller could say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going oh, to. Oh, yeah. They could yeah. stick to their guns and just yeah. say, you know, um, no, I, that was, that was the pr bottom price okay. and, and, you know, take it or leave it. Well, Dave, we, we still had more left here. <clears throat> we had uh, things we could have talked about with uh, water tests and samples with intended use of a property uh, we Sounds like another show. Yeah, on we, we have we have more, Dave. You're going to have to come back. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Uh, really informative show. And folks, you've been. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, or for any r real estate uh, questions, feel free to contact me by emailing Dale at DaleBryant.ca or call into the station at 905-372-2391 and leave me a message. And don't for forget to join me. Dale Bryant, I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.